0: What's up, what's up, how you guys doing today? It's episode four of Theory Pre-Med. Theory Pre-Med follows the journey of three pre-med students, Moe, Todd, and Nathan. We talk about our experiences as we bring in guests that connect pre-meds around the world. If you're thinking about pre-med school or, or med school or healthcare, our podcast will give you the ultimate student perspective. How's yeah. everybody's week been going? We have two guests today. Uh, we have Stephanie and John. But first, let's go around and say how everybody's week's been going.
1: What's up, Stephanie? What's up, John? How are you guys doing today?
2: Pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, the midst of midterm season, so mm-hmm. we're, we're doing we're doing okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's pretty hectic. Everyone has a lot going on this weekend, and thank you guys so much for coming out. What's up, John?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, I get a little closer
1: good. to the mic, bud. Okay, <laughs> so I got to be this close? <laughs> oh,
3: boy. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I've been involved with a lot of club stuff recently and research, so yeah, it's been pretty busy, but nice.
1: Awesome. Well, today we have two seniors, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. So they also go to Chapman with us. We've actually met you guys through AMSA. I remember um, my freshman self joined AMSA. And I was like, (laughs) hey, guys, how are you guys doing? And tried getting as involved as I can. And I kind of became this annoying person at (laughs) every single meeting. Um, But how are you doing, Nathan? How are you doing, Todd? How are you guys? Doing pretty good. It was well. Yeah. Uh, Pretty busy.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. pretty busy weekend for me. I went to Disneyland yesterday. Oh, that just yeah. Dang,
4: that's, that's his definition of being busy. Going, <laughs> I went to Disneyland. I went to a party today. I did, actually, bro. <laughs> it's <laughs> been <about> a fun week, <laughs> honestly. Well, tell us about it. Tell us
0: about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I went to uh, my cousin's graduation party today, and I, I rushed oh, here wow. right after. Um, no, it was it was a fun party. It was actually a wig party. So I wore a wig, All okay, right. uh, wow. which was... Really stupid. I only had one wig, and it was from, like, a, a previous show, a, like, a theater play that I'd done where I had to dress up as, like, an old man. So I had an <laughs> old man wig, and all my, like, grandparents were just, like, making fun of me. They were just like, okay. dude, you look like your grandpa. And I was like, oh, my gosh. We're
1: need some of those pictures for the Instagram. Yeah. That we pre-made <laughs> yeah, on Instagram, shameless plug. sure. <laughs> <laughs>
4: you look like a founding father? Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> dude. No, it was, like, a, it was long hair. It was, like, a surfer <laughs> wig, oh. but, like, okay. old. It was weird. I'll send you guys pictures.
1: (laughs) All right. So jumping right into it, we're just going to talk about some of the pre-med experience at Chapman. Um, When you guys first came to Chapman, did you guys know you were were on the pre-med path? How did you get on it? Um, Why Chapman?
2: Yeah. So um, I came in actually as a peace studies major. So I, like my senior year of high school, I was a little on the fence uh, about pre-med and Uh, If I wanted to pursue that path, like throughout high school, I was, and like throughout my whole life, starting from childhood, I've always been interested in like medicine and the idea of being a physician. But I think the thing that stopped me and the thing that, you know, made me hesitate was just like, oh, like, I don't know. Like I kind of had this preconceived notion that like you had to be Einstein to like go (laughs) to medical school. Uh So um, in high school, I kind of like did some soul searching and Um, I was really interested in like international relations. So I thought I would go that route. Um, I've always been really interested in like connecting with people, being an advocate for people. um, And I knew that was something I wanted to do in my future career. Um, And then like near my senior year, I took like an anatomy class and I was like, wow, like I, I will regret if I don't go into the medicine route just because, you know, I, I think that my grades aren't up there. I should at least try. So I uh, had applied to like my schools, like peace studies and international relations uh, when I was applying to college. And I thought I would take like pre-med classes on the side. Um, That was kind of my mentality. But then I came to Chapman, um, got to know a lot of the health science faculty. And uh, I thought I wanted to kind of be more involved in the community. So I changed my major to health science. And yeah, now I'm here. I'm a Peace Studies minor, so I'm still, like, kind of mm-hmm. um, involved in my interests in international relations. Um, so, yeah, I was a little unsure at first, but I think it was just because I was kind of, like, limiting myself, you know? So
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. It's actually pretty crazy because so many people come into college on a completely different, like, major. I think we've seen that with a lot of our guests. Maybe. Or a if you, few. If you, I came in uh, as, as a comm side major and ended up changing. So I think that's, like, pretty cool to, like, hear from other people, too. What about you, John?
3: Uh, I guess I'm pretty different from you guys, because I've always kind of been on the pre-med track, but (laughs) but I actually want to go, well, since college, so I started off as a pre-med in college and have stayed on it, but prior to that, I actually wanted to go into physical therapy because, well, my family knew some physical therapists, so I was like, oh, I like science, I like medicine, so let's go into physical therapy, but after I kind of did quite a bit of volunteer swim coaching, I kind of realized like the importance of autonomy and that really pushed me towards pre-med instead mm-hmm. of pre-PT. So I eventually decided, you know what, I'm going to just be pre-med the whole time and then I just started freshman as a health science major and just stuck with it. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> That's awesome. I actually find that interesting because I hate swimming. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I played water polo and I hated the swimming aspect of it. I just loved shooting the ball. That was pretty much it. So throughout your time at Chapman, um, what do you think has been, like, so, so, like, meaningful, like, towards your journey to medicine? I know personally um, the best thing I think I've gotten out of it until now, my sophomore year, has been the connections I've been able to do or make with a lot of my teachers, professors. I think that's given me a lot of opportunities. Um, I mean, there's obviously a lot more, but that's, like, something I always, like, look back at. And I'm, like, I'm so thankful that I came to a smaller school compared to someone who goes to a UC. I've talked to a lot of my friends, and they're constantly telling me, like, I don't even know if I could get a letter of rec from my teachers. That's authentic. Um, A lot of them are templates and stuff like that.
4: Yeah,
2: so uh, I totally agree with you that um, Chapman being such a small school contributed to so much to, like, my fulfillment as a pre-med here at Chapman. Um, I really think, like, the most meaningful things that have occurred have been the people I've met and the kind of experiences not only I've kind of strived towards and to, to apply for and, and to do, but the things I've kind of stumbled upon along the way. Um, I remember my freshman year, uh, I'm a first-gen uh, student, so I really didn't have a lot of connections in terms of, like, what does a pre-med student do? I did a lot of Googling. That was mm-hmm. definitely something I did. And I kind of started off like trying to be the checklist person, like trying to like, OK, I need to do this. I need to do this.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, you know, I got in, I started to get involved in research and found AMSA. And I was like, oh, let, let's try and, uh, you know, apply for a research. President of AMSA yeah. now, go. <laughs> apply for like a treasure position and a, a research assistant position. Like, let's just get this started, like this pre-med journey. And then those two things have been the absolute epitome of my time at Chapman and the people I've met through it, the leadership experience I've gotten from it, um, especially like my mentor, that like um, PI from my, my research lab uh, has been everything for me in terms of like her belief in me has helped me kind of be more confident as a student and mm. kind of pursuing different ventures uh, as a pre-med. So I definitely think it's the, the connections and the kind of the experiences that you, you find and you do uh, throughout your four years
0: nice you feel like you were able to to branch out a little bit more um in, in small school um yeah. how did you like become president of amsa like i, I want to know like <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so <scheme> right here. <laughs> no, I'm not, no i'm not i'm not gunning for your position Don't <laughs> no, worry. Try, definitely definitely try no i'm over. just like like i'm curious you what should. was the path there
2: <laughs> um so i applied uh like i said i saw like an opportunity i remember it was my it was interterm i hadn't I didn't take an interterm class and I was at home in San Diego and I vividly remember getting this email uh, that was like oh apply for the exec board for AMSA I was like you know what I need to do this I've (laughs) I wasn't ever a part of a board like for clubs in high school and I was like I'm just gonna take a leap of faith and just do this like I had no experience you know so it was it was a little scary but I I just decided to do it anyways and then um, they really liked my resume and everything and my Um, kind of my little essay that I did, and so I became treasurer, and then from there,
1: Todd started off as treasurer. Yeah, (laughs) so
2: I started as treasurer, and then I think I was treasurer for about a year, and then, um, it was twenty twenty that um uh, the rest of the exec board was graduating, and there was like a time of transition. And I think I, I really formed connections uh, with the president of, at the time. And, um, you know, I, I really put myself out there to, like, go above and beyond whenever I had to do a task. Uh, and I think it's just about that, like, just putting your kind of your bet, best foot forward. If, if there's something you can do, like, to go above and beyond, just do it. Um, and I think people notice that. People notice when you you, you go and uh, you're kind of, like, excellent in the things that you do. And, like nice. y- Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, exactly. Proactivity is a big thing. Um, and so she, she asked me if I would like to be president, um, and then, um, Amber and I were my, the other co-president at the time that became co-president with me, um, we both were really kind of striving for, like, the same leadership position. We both decided to be co-president together, uh, and transitioned into that. So, it was, it was definitely, I think, um, forming good connections, uh, with the higher-ups of Mm -hmm. the exec, uh, board, um, and. And truly just, like, liking to be on exec, you mm-hmm. know, and liking the work you're doing and being passionate about the organization. Uh, like, with AMSA, like, I'm, I'm so excited and so happy that I get to be in a position to, like, help give people resources, like, pre-meds to give resources to. Um, because there's so many people that, you know, feel discouraged or feel like they don't know where to go. Um, and it, it's nice to be in, in a position that I can help people out.
1: You hear that, Nathan? So get to know Stephanie. Yeah, soon, if you want a physician? Get to know the higher execs.
0: Hey, Steffi. I'm Nathan. How are you? Doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, that's really good advice. Just like really like it. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, don't worry about just like oh, I want to be president yeah. so that I can put it on my resume. Yeah. It's more just y- you have to you know really have a passion for for leadership and uh, so it doesn't feel like a chore. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that's really good
3: advice. What about you, John? Uh, I guess. Going back to the original question, I think it's just the sheer amount of resources we have access to, so we have, like, connections with some graduate schools, honestly, here with Chapman. I think, like, Western, we may have a connection with, like, the Podiatric School of Medicine and also, like, maybe the Veterinary School. I can't really remember because I haven't been really interested in that, but we even have, like, connections with local hospitals like UCI Medical Center and... Oh, we we do? Well, yeah. I didn't know that. Well, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was a connection. Yeah. And also, yeah. Amber, um, she's related to one of the directors there. So she we, we kind of oh. connected um, them with the career center here at Korean and we try to reach out to Chapman students. So there's, there's a ton of resources, and it's really nice because you can email, like, a dean, and you can get a response, oh, yeah. like, within the same day. Or, like, sometimes if you email Dr. Sumida, he responds in, like, five <laughs> minutes. So it's like, oh, boy. But, like some of my friends at for example uci they may email someone and they just don't get a response at all so being at such a small school with so many resources available it can be kind of disorienting but that's like a good thing because you just have so much available to Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. that you you have a trouble like picking something versus maybe at like a uc or a larger school where you don't have those resources like Offer to you all the time, so you have to kind of fight for it. So I, I like it here at Chapman, like that. No,
1: actually, I, I'm glad you bring that up because I think a, a good point um, that we were talking about in the Schmidt Student Leadership Council was on the pre-med den. There's so many resources that sometimes, like people, like especially freshmen, are like, "Which ones do I need and which ones like I shouldn't be using?" So they're trying to reorganize it. So then, like all the like super beneficial ones like come up first, and then the ones that like kind of like you could use at the end are towards the end. So I think that's like a big thing at Chapman is so many things. There's so many like opportunities and kind of like resources you could use. And it's overwhelming at times since.
4: Yeah. Dang, I'm still not on the pre-med done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they don't want you dude. I know. They don't like you. <laughs> that's a good
4: point. I think there are so many re- like resources we have here. I think, um, you know, last week I went to like the bio, like 101, which is like mm. our career advising thing because I'm like the going to be the new uh, biology peer advisor. Oh, yay. And, you know they, gave, the us <laughs> they gave, gave us this packet. They gave gives us packet, and it had like six pages of just like all these websites of all these different opportunities <laughs> so that like people can get involved in. And I was just like, "Dang, I didn't even know any of these existed." You
1: clicked on every single one, right? <laughs> I did
3: not it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, It's just kind of crazy because there's so many things. But and sometimes I feel like it can kind of get filtered out by us, but I feel like maybe yeah. that organization might be a good thing to do.
2: Yeah, I, I was gonna say like, and it also, you know, an activity that, that someone did or a clinical experience that someone did, like it's not like one size fits all, mm-hmm. you know? So um, if some something could be super fulfilling for someone and then someone else could do it and then not like it. So it's, it's really like trying, like dipping your foot in the water for like different things and seeing like what fulfills you and like what f- speaks to you in terms of like why you want to go into medicine um because you know i definitely don't believe like you should do an experience and like if you don't like it like continue doing 100%. it because you need to get the hours or you know or have that on your the clinical hours yeah and for the yeah yeah <laughs> like <laughs> if you if you hate your your volunteering <laughs> job like there's so many different things out there mm, so right. that's also a benefit
1: no and like you could tell like because we're, we're a part of this volunteer um program and whenever like scholars there are like oh like they're just sitting there not doing anything like mm-hmm. nurses could tell doctors could tell and you're not gonna get as involved and in, as much out of it like you could easily go do something else that's a lot more beneficial yeah. and something you could actually talk about when you're asked about and i think that's a like, really great point speaking of experiences um what has been like the biggest uh, kind of like most meaningful experience for you guys
4: and i'll kind um, of throw in a little curveball there how about <laughs> do without amsa like not because yeah. i feel like <laughs> we, we could all talk lives. about yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, without AMSA.
2: Um, so my research experience has been a huge part of um, my time here at Chapman. So I started as a research assistant and um, it's the affect regulation and health lab here uh, on campus and in the Korean lab. Um, and I didn't want to get involved in a wet lab. I knew that um, because I wanted to get involved in kind of like psychology perhaps or public health that was something that was really interesting to me um so I found this lab and I interviewed and uh, I was able to get this position and it it was really cool because um we had this study where we would go to chalk and we would recruit patients um for the study uh in person uh so that started in fall of 2019 Uh, so you've been doing it for a while. So Yeah, so that was something that uh, I started doing. And then, of course, the pandemic hit, and we transitioned into more of, like, a cold-calling, remote-type recruitment. Mm. Um, So from there, I I was able to kind of transition into, like, asthma. It was the asthma study, um, a study lead manager for the lab um, last year. So it was really cool kind of, like, starting at the beginning of the study um and learning from all the higher class the upperclassmen that were a part of the lab um and learning from them in terms of like leadership experience Mm -hmm. of course like the analyses we're doing i was learning so much um and so much about research that i hadn't i I wouldn't have ever ever imagined i would have uh during college i think in high school even know that like research was something that you could do (laughs) so um yeah i learned so much and uh like i said before um my PI, um, it's like a huge mentor to me. And she always had so much belief in me and I think she, she really always pushed me to like be, you know, be the best person I can be. know, that, um, I can always keep trying and I can always like believe in myself and that'll kind of help me in terms of being a better leader for the new people coming into the lab or, you know, going and recruiting at chalk, um, putting your best foot forward, um, and always trying to make those connections. Um, so, yeah, I think that was a huge experience for me uh, in terms of learning so much and uh, being like who I am today is definitely a big part uh, from doing this research.
1: No, I mean, even last episode, if you guys remember, like the, uh, the MD, PhD students over here um, and Tim were talking to us like a big part about doing research is finding that like. PI that cares enough to mm-hmm. really push you forwards, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's how you get the most out of the research. Research isn't for everyone, but I think part of that finding out what if research is for you or not, you, you really need to find that like last puzzle piece, which is the PI, and make sure that they're actually like comfortable with you, that you're comfortable with them, and you're able to communicate back and forth because that's what's going to get you through research. And without that, I don't think you've really had the full research experience. Yeah. And, yeah, so, I mean, for anyone doing research right now, I highly recommend um, if you're in a research lab right now and you're not happy, it's okay to change. Go find something else. Mm-hmm. And um, until you find that person, I don't think you should rule it out. Yeah. What about you, John? Because I know you're doing a lot of research, too.
3: Um, so instead of being kind of like a copycat with Steph, I guess <laughs> I'll talk about my experience with the Chapman IRB and – the um, organic chemistry study that my class kind of participated in. We love OCHEM. Yeah. So <laughs> as you may know, OCHEM is kind of one of the killer classes for premeds because, oh boy, it is hard, at least for a lot of them, unless if you're like a chemistry premed, which are kind of weirdos because they really like O-Chem. I don't like those. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you like insulted those every chemistry major <laughs> <laughs> out there. There's not that many out there. I, at know, least I, I don't know channel. any. We we know I know one. one. Oh, yeah. Okay. In, our, in, our, in our
1: new lab, there's yeah. one chemist, yeah. It's yeah. kind of cool, though. It's like they're the wizards of like, yeah. the school. Yeah, Synthesize
3: something. <laughs> but, yeah, so we kind of transitioned, at least during my sophomore year, from kind of like individualistic um, like, exams and teaching methods for the different classes of OCAM to just, like, one universal exam that all of the classes would take, but they all kind of kept, like, their own individual ways of teaching the classes, and that was kind of due to the study where they wanted to see how does, like, a flipped classroom compared to a traditional one to just reading, like, the textbook. But the issue was that for the control, which was basically reading the textbook, the professor would read verbatim from the textbook, in order of the textbook. And there's already like a feature in the textbook where it'll read it for you. So we basically Mm -hmm. did not get really taught. And there are lots of issues with like um, informed consent. A lot of the people during the informed consent speech, like it was at the end of class and we were already going to the next period. So half of them left before the person even really started speaking. So there were a lot of issues with like um, medical ethics and research ethics and stuff like that and by the time we kind of realized how impactful the study was uh, we were a couple exams in and we started actually comparing our exam grades and we <laughs> were like one or two grade letters below all the other classes one of the class averages oh. was a b minus we were a d plus and that was yeah, with people who degrees. were <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah that w- <laughs> that included people that were repeating Ochem who had taken it previously and were getting A's. So oh, no. if we took those out, it was an F plus. Uh, I mean <laughs> well, wait, no, it was a D minus. <laughs> it became an F plus. Oh, so uh, that was wonderful. I got B plus somehow in that class. I don't know how that worked out. But I met with the IRB, I met with the Dean of Schmid, I met with like basically the PI and basically everybody that I wanted to quickly arrange meetings with me. So even though I feel like some of the professors here at Chapman dropped the ball with that study, they were really good at getting back to me about it. And I feel like they kind of did a curve thing where they, like, said they weren't going to do the curve, but then they, they really helped us out because I feel like I would not have gotten a B plus because I entered with, like, a B, and I was like, I'm definitely not getting a B plus or an A-, minus <laughs> this final, because I spent basically the last few weeks prior to the final just arranging meetings and spending, like, hours meeting with people. So I was, like, not able to study for my exams. And I was like, oh, got B-plus somehow and didn't get thrown under a bus by the dean. So that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm honestly thankful it's not like that anymore. Uh, I think the professors now are doing their own thing, right? I yeah, know, yeah, own, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. But other than that, have you had any, like, meaningful experiences that have, like, come along your journey on medicine?
3: um i guess talking with dr richards and dr sumita dr richards is the anatomy lecturer here at chapman university i've heard a lot of stuff about him sumita covers physiology but this year he's actually teaching something else he's not actually teaching physiology Mm -hmm. which is interesting but that has to do with other professors um, being sick so he's covering for them but they really kind of brought critical thinking to the stem subjects that we're covering and we finally really covered stuff that was clinically relevant because going to general bio and studying about like you know gene expression or like e coli that's interesting i suppose like i find it interesting but you don't really think of medicine when you're thinking of like the most basic cell or like the mitochondria it does play a factor and it's very important to have that as like background knowledge but Clinically, you're not going to be talking about, like, kidney stones and stuff in those classes. So it was really fun being able to talk to them and also get, like, pointers to what I should do because they're actually really good resources. Talking to the faculty here here at Chapman, some of them are PTs, some of them Hmm. have been offered positions like dr simita at like med schools oh, but really? he actually turned them down to come here to chapman he oh, was so, was so lucky yeah he was offered a <laughs> position at ucla's med school really? to wow. be a professor there and he was like i'll come to chapman and he did and he's <laughs> really nice and gets back to us super fast so That's awesome talk to a faculty here's nice
1: now i feel like all of us have gone through the through the zoom era right um <laughs> yes you guys are now <laughs> going through the cycle I th- stephanie are you I'm not. No, you're not. So you're, you're taking a gap year, mm-hmm. right? And then doing all that. Mm-hmm. But in preparation, I guess, um, in your case, to, to getting into the cycle and all that, mm-hmm. do you think that Zoom has had kind of like, it's given you a disadvantage going into it? And John, if you want to hop in too, since you're in the cycle.
3: Uh, yeah. I guess I should go because I already applied mm-hmm. though it may not be the best application c- but there are like variables for Come that. Come on, you gotta have some confidence. Yeah. dude. Well, I mean, one <laughs> of the professors here, my medical ethics professor didn't actually release her grades until a couple weeks after the hard deadline for grades and I had to delay <laughs> my oh, application and that delayed processing mm. and stuff like that and like the MCAT and my science GPA blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I feel like Zoom actually might be beneficial for pre-meds because that means that med schools Mm -hmm. can offer more interviews because you don't have to fly over and spend like a few thousand dollars for the ticket and then for the nights at a hotel and the meals and like driving around. You can actually just hop onto a Zoom call and say, hi, I'm blah, 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 and you should accept me to your med school. Oh, he he got got accepted like that. that. No, no, I got rejected like that. Um, Yeah, but... It's, it's really changed how med schools, I feel, look at things because there's a general trend where med schools are actually offering more secondary applications, though some people are more cynical saying that um, the secondary essays and stuff, maybe because they want more money because that comes with a fee. Um. So <laughs> applying to med school is really expensive. I spent like 5K on primaries oh, and no. secondaries. Oh, wow. So don't do it multiple times if possible. But I thought I had a decent chance. Maybe, maybe not. But... Yeah, I think Zoom has been helpful because it offered, like, a lot more flexibility because I didn't have to, like, cut a week out of my time to arrange for interviews and stuff. And there can also be, like, pre-recorded interviews where they give you questions and you record it on your own time so you're not interacting with someone, hmm. which is kind of weird, but to each their own and like the rise of mmis that's like actually pretty easy to do on zoom since you can just go into breakout rooms Mm -hmm. versus in real life you would just actually go into a separate room Mm -hmm. and you'd have to like organize that with like various people to come to the same location and that kind of gets like a little dicey especially if like something comes up at the last second because At med schools, they may even bring, like, an actual physician who may be on call, and, like, let's say they have a patient who's suddenly had, like, an acute illness. Well, they can't show up to the interview, but, like, they can still Zoom from, like, the call room. They're
1: just, like, giving CPR, and, like, hey, John, so, like, why medicine? (laughs) So,
3: let's get the rhythm. Give me the rhythm right now. (laughs) What's this depth?
1: Like, part of me kind of feels, like, I I wish if they gave you the option, Right. So, I mean, I think everyone has, like, their top 10 schools they really want to go to, and they have their backup schools, right? So, I think if you were given that option, you could, for your backup schools, you could always do those interviews online, but then the schools that you really wa- cared, like, a lot, a lot about, uh, then you could just go in person, and you'd still be saving that money so you don't have to, like, travel to whatever 20 schools that, like, let's say you, you got, s- <laughs> your, like, application was crazy good, mm-hmm. and you got 20 interviews, but if you're able to go in person i feel like that gives you a better um kind of impression on the school yeah. right they're yeah. actually able to see you f- for who you, who you are yeah i was uh, gonna say that yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah like for me i feel like i would have a better chance of getting in if i was uh-huh. in person just Same. because i feel like i can make a better impression in person and on zoom like it might even be more competitive because people are you know you'll know, present themselves exactly how they want to be seen and and they you, they can remember like questions it's a lot less stuff. pressure like, yeah, right. For an interview you might even have like a question or two written down right there in front of you. So I yeah. guess the comp conf- it's a little <laughs> John's like this is why I want <laughs> like, to you know, I mean, John, if you did that, I mean do whatever you need to do to get into medical school I'll be honest, bro. But like uh um I'm I'm just saying like for me it would be it would be better in person. Even with the cost, like I'd have a better chance of getting in for sure. So No,
1: and like I mean, when you get an interview, I've heard this from a lot of people, I don't know how accurate it is. Like once you get the interview, your stats are like pretty valid right for the school you're just there so they get to know you better and i think that's just like a perfect opportunity for you to get to know the school better to mm-hmm. see who your, cl- your future classmates might be mm-hmm. um and i don't think you could really get that out of zoom experience because when you go and like visit a school uh, you're seeing the different professors you're not just seeing one person on your screen you're, you're getting to know what their kind of like mission statement really is and how they're invoking that um but yeah, but I was when I was when I asked the question though, uh, I was kind of more focused on the learning aspect, right? So we, for me, for example, I took gen chem, bio, all that on Zoom. Uh, but when I came in person, the transition, obviously, the in-person experience was completely different. So Stephanie, when you were doing your classes on Zoom, mm-hmm. uh, and now that you're, I think soon, going to be taking the MCAT, um, do you are you kind of worried about those classes that you took on Zoom? Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, I I feel like. There's not one answer because because I think there were some classes that I was like, wow, like, I, I'm so grateful that I took this over Zoom um, just because I think it mm. honestly gave me more flexibility uh, in terms of balancing like my extracurriculars and like studying for 100%. a class. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if there's like a recorded lecture um, and I couldn't <laughs> come to class, you know what I mean? Um, those in those situations, I think there was an advantage um, because it's not like there's many lectures now in person that are, are recorded or, mm-hmm. you know, optional about going and all this stuff. I think uh, Zoom and professors gave a lot of lenience to, to students in terms of, um, you know, the grades, the exams, all this stuff. Like you could you you can use notes on, on exams, things like that. Um, but I think there were. Some classes where, for example, anatomy, I, I would have loved to take anatomy in person because uh, I feel like I would have gotten so much more out of it yeah, being in the table, labs. Right, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, So I think the experience of being in certain classes would have been much better uh, in person, especially um,
1: labs. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mm. think the labs that I, I've missed out on. Um, biochem lab. um, I think I missed out on ochem lab. And I know those, you know, people are like, oh, like, of course, (laughs) thank God you didn't uh, go to those labs. But at the same time, like it it is experience. I'm still paying for college. um, So I wish I I could have had those experiences. Um, But I think it's advantages and disadvantages. But um, this is kind of a tangent. But I was going to say, like, I feel like because of zoom there are so many you know extracurriculars that you can do that you would have never no, like gotten before covid and um because of covid because there's like so many remote mm. positions now there's remote scribing there's remote medical assisting there's remote all, all this stuff um and i think those things are gonna really help people even financially in terms of like you're not you don't need to drive somewhere Um, spend the gas money to get somewhere, a hospital. You have Um, the metaverse now. Yeah, and you get get to do things from the the comfort of your own home. Um, So I think that it's decreased a lot of financial barriers for people, to be honest, Um, having a lot of things on Zoom. Uh, So I think there are positives and negatives for sure.
4: No, 100%. Kind of like adding on to that, I feel like being able to – schedule meetings and oh, stuff yeah. yeah it was so much nicer on yeah, zoom because 100%. having to like walk to different places yes. now or like drive and then you know like i'd be able to schedule a meeting from like 2 30 to 3 <laughs> and then be able to do one right after from, three, like, three yes. to four, and it yes. would just be so nice
1: um no even si sessions i miss yeah. it yeah. like because yeah. i commute right mm-hmm. so i whenever let's say i finish class at 11 my si sessions at five i'm not gonna go home and then come back and all that so now I have to like wait at school. So I've been trying to get um, the SI people to start doing it online. It's, it's not working. Oh, though. so I'll you're try my the best. one trying to get
0: them online. <laughs> <laughs> I talked uh, with uh, the head of the tutoring learning center, and uh-huh. she was like, "Oh, all the SIs are like they really want to like get some of their SI sessions online, like 208. They, yeah. they want that whole class uh-huh. online." And I'm like, "Okay, I mean, yeah, you can do that, but like lab,
1: it's how? Just, no, because like." Well, for SI sessions, I feel like you kind of like it's very helpful because I understand why a class shouldn't be online, right? Because it's yeah, yeah. something you should always mm-hmm. attend. But when it comes to SI, you're doing that at like a voluntary thing, right? right? You're doing it for yourself. Yeah. So if you go online and don't pay attention, that's on you. Uh, so I think that's just that's where it doesn't make sense to me why it's not online. Because if you live on, on campus, it's no big big deal. You could easily attend. But if you're off campus or doing other stuff, right. I think it's really hard. Especially with a lot of SI sessions being on Sunday now. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you guys mm-hmm. noticed that. <laughs> yeah, Todd.
4: Yeah, my my SI sessions are uh, 12 to 2 p.m.
1: Shameless pug. <laughs> <laughs> on Sunday. But,
4: yeah, no, Anybody I definitely...
1: 205.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I definitely agree. Um, I think that a lot of people do when I'm online from... Perspective of the actual SI though, I do think being online is probably a little bit of a struggle mm-hmm. because like participation, if everyone has their camera off and no one wants to unmute, and it's just like, all right, guys, I'm talking to a wall. It's
0: easy to zone um, out for the people listening. Well, yeah,
4: so, like, and I that was one thing that I was kind of scared of, like especially when our first week of spring was um, online. I was like, oh shoot, man, am I gonna have to do online SI sessions? <laughs> I was really scared, but I'm glad that I didn't have to. But I definitely think that some sort of hybrid would be really good. Like where, both. Yeah, where yeah. we could um, like record or like stream or Zoom live from like our classrooms. So that way, I can teach as if like I am in person, or not teach, but like review um, with the students as if I am in person. But then also like people who can't make it to campus because it's like a Sunday or something can also be able to attend too.
1: But even if you look at it, uh, I, this is the last thing I'll say on this. But if you look <laughs> at it, um, like when we're on Zoom, like everyone's on Zoom. Like, SIs were, lo- like, full. Like, yeah. it had 30, 40 people in yeah. it at yeah. a time. But now there's, like, 10.
4: It depends on what the subject...
1: Well, I think a lot of SIs are struggling with... But, yeah, the
4: general it. trend is yeah. that unless you're organic chemistry, you're <laughs> struggling. Yeah.
1: So, uh, I think I think that's where wow. they kind of need to look into it more.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So, John, you're in the cycle right now. Um, uh-huh. What are your feelings about the cycle? Let's, let's start with that.
3: Um... I guess I would say that med schools are not transparent at all with what's happening. Oh, okay. Like, really? The majority of the programs I talked to, only like, let's say, three or four kept me updated on how my application was going. Like, uh, University of Arizona, Tucson. They're like, oh, yeah, you're still on hold. So then they're like, we'll update you next week <laughs> about your status. But then all the other ones, for example, like one of the ones I really want to go to, which is CUSM date just like radio silence the whole time Even After have you tried meeting,
1: reaching out too
3: um i have reached out to the dean and just been like hey am i like still under <laughs> like uh-huh. consideration and he's like yeah but you know we have a lot of applications so we'll get back to you eventually and that's this dr evelyn so <laughs> so yeah um Med schools aren't very transparent with what's happening. One of the schools I was actually surprisingly transparent was VCU, but then they rejected me like a week after the interview, which I felt sad with. But um, they said, this is how it's gonna go. You can expect like us to get back to you at this time. And then you can request to see how your application was in our eyes, kind of like with one of the deans. I'm gonna hopefully be meeting with one of them in like March or April to talk about maybe why i was rejected or why i wasn't such a good fit for vcu so that was interesting and then also like secondary apps there are so many essays like some people say you can start copying and pasting but i couldn't really do much of copying and pasting because like some schools measure in characters like 1500 characters Others go, oh, you have 250 words or 150 Mm -hmm. words or even for like um, Rosalind Franklin, I think it was like 100 to 150 words, which is like so short, especially when you want to talk about like some of your struggles. Mm -hmm. So you could choose to either go super in depth with like one of your problems. For me, I talked about the MCAT and how like Pearson gave me a false test date. So I had to reschedule and they said, oh, we'll let you reschedule. But then they broke their promise because i called them and they said oh deadline passed so good luck and oh well. they even said that they had a log of them promising me that i could reschedule to a february test date but then they said oh no it's it's passed so no we're reneging on that so i was like oh okay i can't do anything uh-huh. so that was yeah but i talked about that i don't know how much the med schools actually cared about it per se but I could also talk about my grandma's health and how she fell and broke both of her arms. So should I talk about that or talk about how I couldn't work as an EMT? Because my family, the majority of them are like severely at risk of COVID. So if I worked as an EMT and I know some EMTs that said, hey, you shouldn't really work at least near the beginning of COVID because uh, I can't remember which ambulance company, perhaps that's a good thing for Chapman, <laughs> but they sent people, EMTs, two known positive COVID cases with no pp at all no gloves or masks which is surprising you'd think they have gloves at least but then when the emts refused they rejected them and then they got sued and then the people the ambulance company i think might have lost their 911 contract because of that Mm -hmm. so you know there there's all these things we could talk about but it's like limited severely by the word count And then by the amount of time, you can invest. So I was lucky enough to start pre-writing. But some people I know, they started writing when they started getting the emails. (laughs) And on the first day, I could have gotten emails for secondaries. I got, I think, 17 or 18 schools. And then the second day, I got 10 more schools. Hmm, So I applied to like 30 programs. So the majority of the schools were very upfront about saying, hey, we want secondaries and you're expected to kind of submit secondaries within a couple weeks to show that you're very interested. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of nuances that you need to know, but you don't really know until you've already done
1: it. <laughs> John just called out, like, ten different things. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I was going to say, um, I've heard for the longest time that, like, the secondaries is, is something that people don't realize, that there's going to be so many essays, so many, so much writing that you're going to be doing in a few months. Uh, you know, in the summer that you apply. So, a strategy I've done is like have one Google document and like put every kind of essay I've put for applying for like a position, a clinical position, or anything. Yeah. Um, maybe like even a for job interviews That's and, smart. and take it. You know. Just you know? take stuff. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Like, like
0: you've already written down your experiences yeah. you might as well just reuse them
2: like preparing for that why medicine and and really brainstorming for yourself and really like kind of i i always reflect on like okay why am i doing this what, how can i describe this into words uh you yeah. know because it's, it's it's better to th- it's easier to think about it but it's harder to like t-
0: yeah. verbalize
2: it so that's been something i I've been definitely doing over the years um, and I recommend that strategy (laughs) to everyone uh, so that you're prepared to write all of those essays and prepared to talk to talk about your experiences and yourself um, for, you know, that grueling interview process. Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah. One of like the kind of transitioning, like one of the biggest things that, you know, we talk about, like about being in medicine is kind of like that why medicine that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just presenting the question, why medicine? <laughs> <laughs> um, she's,
2: like, I, she's
4: like, hold on, I got to pull up my, <laughs> my document. <laughs>
2: no, I think, um, yeah, I feel like it starts, it always starts from like childhood, you know, uh, at least for me, I feel like I, I grew up in a small town in Winnipeg uh, in Canada, uh, I should say, um, and my parents are Brazilian, and I went to a French immersion school. So all of this goes to say like, I kind of was surrounded by, like, people of different cultures, different languages, um, and I was always constantly kind of adapting, like, different perspectives, Um, and I was, like, always interested in connecting with people and being an advocate for people. I kind of grew up and, like, became, like, that mom friend, (laughs) (laughs) always giving people advice and things like that, Uh, and I was always wanting to have like a career where uh, I could continue that, continue to advocate for people, continue to connect with people. Um, and uh, later in, in high school, like I said, uh, since I had kind of been all over, I, I had thought of doing international relations because it's something I was genuinely interested in. I thought I, I could do you know, that advocating uh, that I was really passionate about through that. Um, but then I really saw that like I was really interested in science and I think the only barrier for me to kind of pursue medicine was just the fact that like the grades that's the competitive part of it um, and just the grueling process of going to medical school and uh, that time commitment um, and not knowing you know am I good enough for this and a lot of that imposter syndrome like early in my life Um, but later I realized like in high school like if you don't like pursue a career that you know that you're going to be happy in, you're, you're going to regret it. Even though, even if it's going to take a long time, even if it's hard, all of this stuff. um,
1: And that's what makes it rewarding too. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. You know, so uh, in high school, uh, again, really taking that anatomy class um, and taking those science classes and kind of stepping away from kind of that barrier that I I had for myself that, you know, this is for smart people. I I Mm -hmm. can't do this, all that. Um, and really realizing this was really the path I wanted to take, and um, and I think the experiences you do in college, too, really help you solidify, like, if you want to go into medicine, um, because, you know, there's so many different things you can do other than MD and DO. Uh, it's like PA, you can do, you can be a P- PT, you can be a nurse, all this stuff. You can uh, go DO instead of MD, um, but, you know, with my passion for international relations, I really wanted to go to medicine for, like, global health, and uh, being able to have that autonomy, like John said. Uh, so all, all of this goes right. to say is just an accumulation of of a bunch of things um, that made me know that this was the right path for me.
1: All right, Stephanie as an admissions officer for Chapman Med. I'd like to extend. <laughs> <stuff a> <laughs> <second>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you you didn't mention, like, you wanted to do some global stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's something I've kind of been passionate about, too. Is, yeah. is there anything in specific you kind of had in mind? Like, personally, I wanted to go and do, like, pro bono surgeries and things mm-hmm. like that. That's obviously so I, probably a whole logis- logistic mess that I'll probably have to find out about later on. But that's just one of the things that I want to do. Is there something in particular you'd like to do?
2: Um, I'm really interested in, in pediatrics. Okay. Uh, I love kids in, in high school. Uh, I worked with my dad uh he's a jujitsu instructor 10 years right yeah 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 yeah. so uh, So, uh, i worked um with you know alongside kids and uh in the gym and everything and growing up um and i always connected with kids and i always thought oh it'd be so cool to work with kids growing up uh in my future career so i pursued a lot of little extracurriculars like i volunteered at chalk i through my research i I did research and recruiting at Chalk. So I'm really interested in pediatrics. And so I would love to do something globally for, for kids. I don't know what it is, but um, I would love to, you know, find any opportunities that I can find, like, throughout medical school or throughout my career. You've been doing um, your
1: rotations in med school. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. that's, like, a big learning experience
2: Yeah. Me. So um, other than that, I, I'm really interested in, like, public health, too. So anything that I can like help the underserved or help health disparities, because oh, wow, that, that's a huge, huge thing. Like health equity, that mm-hmm. was something I n- had no idea about. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, th- just this whole realm, uh, I would love to do this in my future career.
1: What yeah. about you, John?
3: What was the question again? I forgot. Why medicine, <laughs> why medicine? Oh yeah, why medicine? So I guess for me, I kind of like approach things very methodically, because i don't know maybe because i'm raised asian or something who knows <laughs> but i knew that i really like science and talking to people since i was really young so i thought like should i go into like research or biochemistry or something like that or should i just like be a professor or a teacher teach like kids about basic science concepts but then eventually i realized that I really like helping people. Sometimes mom actually tells me that I'm a little too soft with lending my help out, and sometimes I do notice that. So, especially with one of the clubs I'm involved in, I am perhaps spending too much time with. So, I'm not going to say it, because the guy might be listening. He's calling out Stephanie. (laughs) No, no. I really like Amsterdam. It's really well organized. Other one, no. But I noticed that, Medicine is really a good way to have a strong impact in like so many aspects of health. Like, you could be a clinician, or you could train future physicians, or teach future nurses, and help with like rotations at like a teaching hospital, or you could be like an actual professor at a medical school, or as an undergrad, you can like an undergrad, you can talk about hey, this is my path to medicine, or you can appear to like the news and say hey. Let me help with public health and just like announce these things maybe about covid or obesity or diabetes but all these things and like overall you're helping the world so much with like your knowledge and i feel the pre-meds that i know they really like learning things and I feel that medicine is one of the ways that you can really apply the things you learn and teach other people about it, and they'll listen to you really well because it's their health, so they're going to be mm-hmm. like, yeah. tell me more about that <laughs> versus, like, maybe I'll teach my mom something about science, and she would be like, "I, it's been, like, decades since I took a science <laughs> class. I'm fine. I have so, that experience. Yeah, yeah
1: same.
2: So. I agree, to- like, 100% with that. Um, I think that one of the biggest things I like about medicine is the fact that you don't need to do, you know, this one monotonous task or, or, you know, I feel like there's a lot of careers that you can go into that you can do like monotonous tasks or like do the same thing for 20 years or your entire career. Mm-hmm. But with medicine, you can pivot in so many different ways. Um, you don't need to stick to being a clinician uh, and working in a hospital. You can open your own practice. You can go, you know, the business route. You can go to the public health, like exactly what what John said. I, I really like kind of the diversity of things you can do with your degree. Um, And that gets me really excited.
1: Speaking about the different possibilities that you can do with medicine, um, a big one is you could either go MD or (laughs) DO. So I know, John, you're applying right now. Um, Did you apply to both? Specific one, um, tell us about it.
3: Yeah, so I primarily applied to MD because that's kind of what I was applying in the beginning since before like, college and getting involved with AMSA, I didn't know DO, DOs existed. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, this is kind of my game plan, and I applied only to, like, a few DO programs, like, specifically Western here in California, and I would really like to go there. So, in fact, if I got if Western, into... Western, you're hearing
1: this? You West, heard it here. Yeah. <laughs>
3: so if I got into, like, an out-of-state MD program versus, like, Western, the DO program in California, I probably actually would go to Western, but... MD versus DO is kind of controversial, especially since some people see the DO degree as lesser, even though they kind of learn more, actually. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. even manipulative medicine, OMM or OMT, as they call it, it has some aspects of pseudoscience. Like, they believe that if you palpate certain regions of, like, some bones, it can help with, like, increasing CSF fluidity or something, okay. which is weird. But other parts is basically like chiropractic so it some of it's grounded some of it's not and they're trying to get rid of the not grounded parts and there's the whole thing about DOs being more holistic which is also kind of iffy because some mds can be perfectly holistic because i feel like especially with some of the religious md schools which is a whole topic on its own um, they emphasize the whole person too so there's this whole thing where if i'm gonna like boil it down i'd say mds if you want to go into like the more competitive specialties such as like some of the surgeries and stuff you're probably going to have an easier time matching in well Mm -hmm. basically guaranteed because back in the day um i have a relative who's like not quite my uncle but we call him uncle he went to urology program and he had like saw this medical student applicant to their residency program who basically got, like, top Step 1 and Step 2 scores, had amazing layers of rec from his rotations, the director of the program said, I'm not going to take him because he's a DO, and we do not take DOs. But then eventually he got in because there was a lot of pushback from the residents themselves because they are like, we like this kid. He's just take him. So... That's gone better nowadays, but then with, like, step one becoming pass-fail and also, like, the residency mergers of DO residencies, some of them don't even qualify as residencies anymore. And the DO-only ones have also opened up, so then MD applicants who may be stronger are getting into those now. So that's – there's a ton of stuff in the air, especially with COVID. So who knows? Uh
1: Uh-huh.
4: Yeah. And kind of now mentioning that sort of third player, which would be Caribbean med schools – Do you guys have any thoughts or opinions or things that you've heard about those?
2: I don't know too much about it, so I feel like I just cannot speak on it, honestly. yeah, I honestly don't know much about it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I've done some research into it, so there are some of the better ones. They're all MD schools, but it can be really hit or miss, and even with the ones that are good, such as like Ross, for example, and maybe WAUSM or... I can't remember the name of it. Some of them have really good step one and step two pass rates. So they're kind of very similar to the MD schools here in the U.S. So let's say they have like a 90-something plus pass rate first try. Well, that's great, and it looks good like stats-wise, but I've heard rumors, I don't know how true these are, that they have like this internal selection where they'll give you basically like practice step exams and if you don't make it past those mm. they kick you out of the program so they really? inflate, wow. they inflate <laughs> the um the step scores in that way interesting and also they don't include them when they're saying like their pass rate because they don't say hey these guys didn't take it at all they just remove them from the sample so even if they have a 90 something percent pass rate it might actually be close to 70. And some of them have below a 50% pass rate. And, Mm -hmm. like, the areas that they're in are not the safest and also, like, not the best living conditions, too. And a lot of them are actually for-profit, and they have, like, really heavy loans. So there are some some medical students there that graduate, and they can't match because there's discrimination against Caribbean students, Mm -hmm. of course, because it's the U.S. And... They have like 250 plus in debt with incredible like interest rates and it's not like federal loans because they don't qualify for them so it's really tough and i would not recommend you apply to a caribbean school first time around if you're really desperate maybe you're non-traditional and don't think you can even get into a do program which are relatively easier to get into than an md then I guess you would want to go to a Caribbean, but if I were to look at a Do versus Caribbean, I'd still rather go to the Do because residency matching wise, they prefer U.S. schools much stronger than a Caribbean school.
0: Interesting, for sure. Well, check that one off the list, guys. <laughs> no Caribbean schools for us.
4: So, um, so we talked about John, you know, applying straight through. But you know, one thing that I wanted to ask, like Steph, is. You know what are your plans for your gap year
2: yeah so I'm gonna take two gap years so the reason why I decided to take the gap year route, honestly like my first two years at Chapman I was extremely stubborn in terms of like I do not want to take a gap year like I, I don't want to do that I'm going to try my hardest and of course like if you c- can do that and you can go straight in and you can get those MCAT scores and All these things and all your activities um by the time of your junior year you should and i don't and i don't think that you know you should stray away from that and like working hard to do that Mm -hmm. um but i don't think you should be closed-minded about the fact that gap years would just only add to your application um so anyways when i was studying for my mcat um because i wanted to apply last year so at the end of my junior year uh I was in the midst of classes and everything, and really trying to juggle the MCAT studying with you know my full course load. It just wasn't possible for me, Uh, and I think it it, again it can be possible for other people, but I think it really just took a toll on like my health and like neglecting every other thing uh, for to just study for this exam. Uh, And I think people don't really realize like how hard it is to study for the MCAT. it's insane especially mm-hmm. taking like all of your classes and doing all of your activities um and wanting to put you know all your energy into those activities and getting the most out of your classes and getting the most of, out of your grades for your classes it was yeah. just a lot to, to balance and it was it really just came down to to thinking about okay when do I want to take my MCAT um and like do I want to just you know, do it when I graduate and take the time to study for it um, and get, you know, more clinical experience than I would have just throughout my four years um, using that gap year for more time for clinical experience. So I'd love to do a medical assistant job or, or scribing job. Um, there are so many different opportunities now, like remote and on-site. So I'm kind of looking into all options. So during my gap year, the priorities are to study for the MCAT, take it, and get more clinical experience.
1: Something that, like, I really liked that you said was you were studying for it originally, and you kind of realized that it's not the right time, so Mm -hmm. you didn't just go into it um, knowing it's not the right time, and I think that's so important for a lot of people Mm -hmm. out there, because if you're studying for it, and you kind of realize you're not prepared for it, don't take it, you know, because from what I've heard is if you take it multiple times, like it doesn't look the best if like mm-hmm. you start off like super bad and then like let's say you do it again and you weren't prepared it again, it's just not a good trend. So I think definitely waiting, waiting up and just kind of making sure you're prepared for that beast of mm-hmm. a test it is is super important. And if that takes another gap year, then that's totally fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. like
2: giving yourself grace. It this is so such a hard journey. Like don't rush it. I think mm-hmm. that's my biggest piece of advice for anyone. Don't rush it um you're going to get into medical school uh even if it takes an extra year um and you didn't plan for it um everyone's trying their best try your best don't neglect your health because i think at least that's what like i value and i feel like everyone should value like if you know studying for the mcat or like applying to medical school is taking a toll on you like tremendously and you need more time take that time it's totally fine
4: yeah Yeah. and kind of expanding on that um I think just allowing yourself to live a little bit, like a little bit. It's a marathon. It's yeah, because we spend our whole undergrads, you know, studying, you know, (laughs) nose on the grindstone, (laughs) and just uh, keep on going. And then it's like you apply to medical school, you get into med school. It's like okay, now I gotta grind until residency, and you get into residency, and then you, you know, grind until you're in attending, and it's like okay, now I gotta pay off all this debt. Now I need to, you know
0: grind for the rest of your life <laughs> basically but yeah. taking
4: that time to like let yourself live you know maybe travel a little bit you know do the things that you want to do while you're still young and still in your like your prime time
0: yeah. i think that's is something, something we talked really that's something we talked a lot about with those md phd students they were yeah. very um, um they emphasized a lot that like the gap year was very important for them so they could you know take that break or yeah. take the time necessary to really hone in on exactly what they wanted to do with mm-hmm. like research or studying for MCAT and etc. So
1: I mean like look at Nolan five years and we, we still we talk to him a right now he's five like, year
0: gap yeah. year yeah
2: I, I was gonna say like and also the gap year not only does it add to your application and like you can take more time to study for the MCAT but like it gives you more time to like like you said like just reflect mm-hmm. on like why you want to go into medicine because You know, sometimes you can feel like you have, like, your horse blinders on and you're just, like, Mm -hmm. going, 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 doing all this stuff, like, studying for the MCAT, don't, like, not looking behind. Uh, But, like, you should, like, stop sometimes and be like, do I really want to do this? Because this is a long process. Mm. Like, this is a commitment. Um, And, like, imagine burning out and, like, halfway through med school, paying, like, two years of med school, so expensive. And realizing you don't really want to do this you know so the gap years really help you live a little and i think you you should live a little and uh take your time yeah
1: what about you john what do you i mean let's say things don't work out the cycle hopefully they do yeah um (laughs) but do you have any plans kind of thinking ahead
3: uh, yeah, my mom keeps on telling me not to reveal this, but CUSM has exclusive a,
1: information right here, guys. Has
3: a master's program with a conditional acceptance, and I really do believe that if I get into that master's program, I'm basically gonna get into CUSM the year after. So I would immediately go into med school after taking that master's head of uh, biomedical science at CUSM. So that would be really nice. But other than that, I was also considering doing like a bachelor's of art in psychology here at Chapman because I'm like literally two, three classes away, including like the capstone. So I could honestly probably go to like a community college, get two of those classes and then take the capstone here. Or I could do research here or work as an EMT. So there Mm -hmm. are a lot of options available to me, but... I kind of want to hedge my bets because I don't really like taking chances at all. Which 100%. I think doctors would probably people would want doctors to not take chances, especially <laughs> with health. You know, <laughs> They're like, oh, patient fifty-fifty. If I cut right here, but let me do it right now. <laughs> so,
1: any mini money?
3: Which nerve is this? Huh. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully things work out. But if not, I've got like a backup plan for my backup plan. I'm, like, weighing my options to see. But, you know, there's some med school programs that still offer interviews until, like, April, which is really late. So I'm hoping that they get back to me about that because I haven't been rejected from them yet. So hopefully.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah. Well, and then before we kind of conclude this episode, um, is there any advice you could give to someone, a freshman coming in, someone who's about to go into their senior year? Um, anything?
2: Um, I think that my biggest piece of advice would just to be to bet on yourself um and I think what I mean by that is don't like just keep going like if you really want to do this like even if you feel like you're having a rough semester even if you feel like you're gonna get a bad grade in this class like that's not gonna deter you from like a whole career path like if that's what you want to do you know like you can always take extra classes to like boost your GPA after college you can always do a different experience like you can always do something to get to where you want to go especially medicine so I think I feel like so many people get discouraged about the GPA thing or the MCAT thing or just feeling like they they can't do it and I'm saying this from like personal experience um but it's just so upsetting to see, like, someone that, like, gives up on something because they don't think they're, like, good enough for it. Um, or, like, they're comparing themselves to, like, other pre-meds because I know that's, like, a huge thing. Like, oh, this person's doing more than me. This person has a better GPA than me. Um, I think just my biggest piece of advice is just if you really want to do this, you know, really reflect on it. Like, why? And if it is what you want to do, just keep going. Don't compare yourself. Um, and take your time.
1: Nice. How about you, John?
3: Uh, I guess I would say don't be afraid to reach out. So, like, reach out to your dean, to reach out to your career advisor, and reach out to basically anybody because, honestly, the worst that can happen is them saying no, no or just ignoring you. So, a lot of people, especially, like, one of my friends who's, like, an electric engineer major at UCI, he was afraid to reach out because he didn't know he wanted to go into engineering until, like, his junior or senior year. And I was like dude, you have, like, no extracurriculars? Are you going to go, like, directly into work? Are you going to apply to, like, a graduate program? Like, how's, how's that going to work? And he's like, I, I don't know. I don't know who to reach out to. And he has, like, no connections for, like, doing research or anything at all. So if he had really reached out earlier, he would have made things much easier on himself because he was really stressed out trying to get, like, a senior project underway. Mm. So reach out to people and maybe my inner researcher saying something but also be a little skeptical about advice sometimes because some people will say very blatant things that could be extremely wrong like for example some people may say oh don't care too much about like your cumulative gpa it's all about the science gpa well no they they look at the humanities too and say hey we want a more well-rounded person nowadays because Mm -hmm. we've seen a lot of physicians who are really book smart but then when they walk into the room they just look at the chart and they don't talk to a patient. They just <laughs> go off a list and write things down. And patients are noticing that and they're going, we don't want physicians like that. We, we want to see someone else. So really reach out, but also when you get advice, sometimes take it with a grain of salt because there's so much in the air with med schools that... There's no perfect formula. Yeah, there's, mm-hmm. there's no true way of getting in. So yes.
0: Yeah, yeah don't, don't hesitate to reach out uh, because you're uncertain if you really want to do that reach out because you're uncertain you really want to do that yeah. right yeah so you can get that experience and, and whittle it down and make sure you really know well uh thank you guys so much for coming out we're just about out of time today real quick we're just gonna plug the socials we got theory pre-med on instagram at theory pre-med our spotify and apple podcasts come out on 8 a.m at tuesdays make sure you guys give us a follow so you never miss an episode thank you guys so much for watching do you guys do too stephanie and john want to plug your uh, socials (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: you should follow AMSA and if you you. go to Chapman uh, follow us and come to meetings because we are bringing in a bunch of med schools uh, and we're going to have a pre-health week uh, at the end of the semester so we'll have a lot of resources then so it's at AMSA
0: Chapman awesome great John (laughs)
3: I don't really have any social. but I guess no, donate to Chapman LLS. No problem, <laughs> man. That's about it.
0: Hey, well, thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll see you next time.
4: Bye. I'm Abby, the host of The Blanket Show. KNAB on ChapmanRadio.live is an independent,
2: student-run, internet-only radio station at Chapman University in Orange, California. Now let's get back to the f***ing music. Game over. After his ice cream.